Hey everyone, I'm Brandon Knight and this is My Seminary Life, the show where I recap the things I'm studying in grad school right now. Let's get started. All this quarter, I am in a class called Discipleship Methods, where I am learning what is the biblical model for discipleship, how has discipleship been done throughout church history, and how is the church doing discipleship now? And the punchline for that last one is bad. It's doing it badly. It's wrong. It's all wrong. Uh, uh, It's a great class. Don't get me wrong, but I am super... I'm just like so discouraged a lot of times. The books I've been reading, the assignments I've been doing, they've all been really good. But man, oh man, is it over and over again just like this disappointing and this is how we're failing and this is how we should be doing it better. And like, I know I shouldn't be getting discouraged by that and it should be like, okay, we can go out and make change. And I think we can. I think it's not like all that far gone, but at the same time, it's like my word. Oh, it's so, it's so messed up. So anyway, I thought maybe this week would be a way to, you know, get a bit of a pick-me-up. Because what I had to do this week is, it's one thing to sit back and read and reflect and make my own game plan, but it's another thing to actually sit with someone and say, so how's it going? How is it working out here? And that was what I did this week. I had to interview the pastor at my church who is in charge of this ministry to better understand how is this ministry implemented at our home church. And at first, I I thought it went really well. I thought, I was like, oh, hey, we're actually doing this really well. This is really good. I sat down to write my paper, and the more I reflected on it, the more I was like, oh, no, oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, It's not that it's, like, completely bad. It's just, uh, let's talk about the interview, and it will make more sense as we get into it. There was just some parts that I was like, man, we're really missing it. We're we're really missing it here. (sighs) Maybe maybe some week it will be good. Maybe at some point there will be a happy ending. All right, so like I said, I had an interview with my uh, pastor at my church this week about how is discipleship, small groups, all that stuff implemented at our church. We were given a series of questions to ask, and let me just pull up my notes here. So off the bat, the question was, how does the church do discipleship? The catchphrase here at our home church is this, is that we are all about him. All about him is the catchphrase of the church, the motto of the church. Everything that the church does, everything that everything that the people do who are involved in the church, everything is all about him. There's even a special Sunday during the year. I think it's supposed to be like right around the anniversary of when the church first got started called All About Him Sunday, which is an emphasis on some attribute of God or a part of Jesus's ministry, things like that. And therefore, when it comes to discipleship, the church is attempting to make disciples who are all about him. Okay. And our, my pastor kind of fleshed that out for me a bit more that they want to cultivate people who are thinking, feeling, and acting more like Jesus 
all the time. And they want to do that by focusing on the core values of our church. Worship, community, service, and missions. Worship is coming together on a Sunday morning. Community is the body of Christ getting together. So worship is more like Sunday morning service. Community is all the other like stuff that goes on during the week that the po- the body of Christ gets together to do. Service is obviously serving one another within the body of Christ and missions is going out into our community or across the world to serve Christ that way and make more disciples that way. So that's the general framework for how discipleship takes place at my home church. It's spiritual formation is what the pastor said. Uh, Every church has its own DNA of how this looks. One thing that I really appreciated in our conversation was that he did take a lot of reflectful thoughts. He did step back and say oftentimes like, and this is something we're, we're not very good at. And this was one of those areas. He said, we have this in place, and this is definitely something that we talk about behind the scenes as leaders. But other than all about him, all this other jargon, you can say, the core values, the how they want to make disciples, that's stuff that's more talked about behind the scenes and is something that they want to start implementing more into the church vernacular, you could say. You know, every church kind of has a culture of like terms and meanings that they have to uh, help the, the members of the church be able to communicate and be able to know what they are there for. And so that is something they want to start working in more. And I would say as I as I was writing my paper and now as I'm trying to do the reflection of the reflection to keep things short, I would say this was the part that was the strongest of my church's ministry and discipleship. They know where they want to go and they have the best person in mind that they want to get to. They want to get to Jesus. That is discipleship. They want to cultivate people who are becoming like Jesus. So all of that is good. We're, I think we started off really well. It started trickling down after this, which I did not realize until I was writing the paper. So the next question is, what does the church's discipleship plan and process look like? This is a part of our church's culture that I think is unique that I like. This is still kind of in the category of we are doing well, but there is some steps that are missing. Essentially, in 90% of the ministries at the church, there is a small group discipleship aspect with built into it. So for example, we have adult small group ministry. My wife and I were adult small group leaders. We have two other couples that come over to our house. We fellowship and we do a study together. We're going through the book Habits of Grace by David Mathis right now. And it's okay. Follow me on TikTok to get all of my thoughts on this book. I do TikToks on it. Anyway, um, so so we do have a small group discipleship ministry. However, the women's ministry They meet, they do teaching, then they break up into these smaller groups. They have table leaders is what they're called. 
and they dialogue and build a community within this community of women meeting together. It's the same with the men's ministry. Again, my wife and I volunteer with our youth group. She is the, we're called crew leader. She is the crew leader, co-crew leader for the high school girls. I'm one of the co-crew leaders for the eighth grade boys. I've had those boys since they were in sixth grade. I think Claire has had these girls since they were in, some of these girls since they were freshmen. So, It's within this dynamic as well that we are building a small community, that we are modeling, we are being used as models for Jesus, to disciple these students to be more like Jesus. And this is something that I think is very wise that my church has built into their framework, because I think for a lot of churches, they just have like the small group ministry, or they have a discipleship class, and that's it. There is an Uh, There is intentionality to be building small communities within these larger contexts all throughout the church. And I really like that. There's a couple problems still, though. Um, The first one is this. There is still an assumption that people are going to get into these ministries. Now, we go to a church with five campuses, and all of these ministries that I named off, they're quite large. So people are taking the step to take their teen to youth group, bring their, you know, take their teen to youth group, join them with the women's Bible study, you know, do these different things and get into these different communities. The problem is, though, is that there is still an assumption that they will take that step. You know, there is an encouragement to join these ministries, to sign up to join a small group, but there is no like, hey, you, I don't know. I just think that there is still this like an assumption that people are going to do it. And there's probably still a lot of people who just show up on Sunday mornings, I guess is what I'm trying to get at here. The other issue is that there is a general lack of training for the people doing the discipling. Here's, I kind of, I concluded my paper saying this, that for a lot of churches, discipleship is a program. We talked about that, like, I think every week we have brought up that discipleship is not a program. But in some ways, I think my church, like, needs to lean in a little bit more into structure. Because it seems like if you volunteer to start a small group, to help out with the youth group, to be a table leader, whatever. It seems like there's just, again, an assumption that you're going to know what you're going to be doing. And like, I mean, I'm the guy in seminary and there are still times where I'm like, how do I, how do I corral these eighth grade boys? I can, I can talk to them about theology all day, but I can't get them to sit down for two minutes. What do I do? There just seems to be like this general lack of, okay, so if you're going to take up the, the teaching, that means you must know how to like do all the other aspects. And it's, yeah. So that's, that's the two problems that I had at this point, that there seems to be a lot of assuming going on. We're assuming that people are going to get into these ministries, and we're assuming that the people doing the discipling kind of know what they're doing even though they may not know what they're doing at all. One thing that 
our pastor identified as a missing piece at this point in the church's uh, ministry is that there is no foundations classes, not a membership class, but a class for people who are maybe new believers and are very unfamiliar with the doctrines and teachings of Christianity. And as a way to help grow very new believers, here's a place where you can build into a small community of people, be discipled, and learn these doctrines and these truths. This is apparently something that's not going to be rolled out next week, but is in the process of getting the pieces put together. Which at this point, I made the comment, this is something that I, if I ruled the world, like that one Coldplay song, if I ruled the world, if I was in charge of the church, I would really want to start a training center. Kind of like how Ligonier Ministries started out, as just like this, like a, a place that offers in-depth teaching and training on variety of subjects and doctrines and whatever. Like, I think that is something that my home church could actually offer. Again, five campuses, plenty of pastors. I'm here too. I can teach anyway. And I commented like that I was surprised that this wasn't something already built into the church's like ministry profile. And our pastor, he began, he said something that he then would bring up oftentimes throughout the rest of the interview, that the church really tries to focus on doing the best thing rather than just programming out the wazoo. I am using the word wazoo. He did not use that word. Um, But trying to do the best thing. A lot of churches, many churches, they throw every program up against the wall and are, you know, they got something every day of the week, two or three times during the same day. I interviewed with a church earlier this year and they, they did, they had like every room in their building had something going on in it at some point during the week. And I guess as long as you can kind of keep everything straight and together, like that's good. And if you think these are the best things that need to be going on, that's good. With my church, with my home church, they take a more simple approach. They just want to do, this is the best thing right now, and now we need to add this. They do feel the need, though, to start to go deeper because they... uh they took a look around at the landscape of social media during 2020 and saw a lot of people, a lot of very devout members of the church who you would normally think are very intelligent, growing people. That might be a little bit rude to say. Um, that didn't come out right. Devout people, Devout members of the church who you would normally identify as a devout follower of Jesus. I'll put it that way. That's a better way to say that. And they saw what they were posting on social media about any of the hot topics. You know what they are. Just just fill in the gaps here. And they realized, a lot of the leaders, the staff at the church realized, we got to start, we got to get back to basics, go deeper and like reemphasize the importance of reading your Bible and prayer. And like, so that's what the focus is on right now. That's why the small groups are encouraged to go through habits of grace. That's why they're doing a series on spiritual disciplines on Sunday mornings. That's 
That's why they want to roll out this foundations class. Like they see a definite need for going deeper, getting back to basics, the importance of scripture, all those things that we've been talking about on here. Go my seminary life. Anyway, so this is something that's in the works. Be looking for that. And if any of you listening to this go to our home church, be looking for that. The next question on the list was, how does this process start and how is the method carried out throughout the life of the church member? This was kind of a rehashing of what was said earlier, essentially. It's not linear, which from context of our conversation, I took that to mean that it's not like school where you start here and you pass this class and you go up to the next grade and the next grade and the next grade and then boom, you're done. See you next week because maturity is gradual. The hope is that they want people to get into one of the ministries, get to know each other relationally so that way it's not just on the leader to disciple everybody, which is good. Again, this is one of the points to them that because we've we've gone over this. I think that was just in last week's episode where we talked about how you know, a the the leader, the pastor, the person doing the discipling, they're supposed to really follow in like this coach role rather than I'm doing all of the work around here and that we have the capacity to disciple one another to a certain degree. Again, a little bit of training might help, but you know, we can we all have the ability to open God's word to pray and to encourage each other from the word. The emphasis is on what do we know, what do we believe, and what do we go do. Uh, we get inv- I'm just kind of reading my notes at this point to make sure I'm not missing anything. Finally, the big, the big punchline for all this was that this is all on God and not... God does all the work, we're the vessels getting the work done. Which is all well and good, but at the same time, it was kind of like... <sighs> I don't know. So I've always been, I didn't write this part in my paper because I was concerned about page length, but I've always grown up in like evangelical Protestant churches, Baptists, non-denominational type of churches. We don't have, no, what's that class? Okay, so in Catholic churches and in some Reformed traditions, there's a class that you take as a child You usually have to take it before your first communion. I cannot remember what this is called now. I want to say catechism, but that's not right. That's the thing you study to learn questions and answers and biblical references to support your faith. Anyway, the point is, is that the point I'm trying to get here is that, again, you don't want to just program and create classes to program and create classes. But at some point, maybe you do. Again, I think there's a lot of assumptions and a lot of we're just trusting that the people value these things where it's like maybe you should make people take a class that helps them understand what the Bible actually teaches or teaches them how to study the Bible or, you know, something like that. Like these type of classes to help ingrain doctrine and truth and make it mandatory. Like, if you're going to be a member of this church, you have to take this class. Not the membership class, but like the, this is the intro to what we believe here class. I don't know. Again, I don't, 
this is just me reflecting on my home church. I'm not trying to say that this is something that all churches need to adopt, but maybe my home church needs a little more structure and needs some type of like, okay, welcome to the church. You have to take this class now. And in that class, that's where you really push a lot of these things of like, we value discipleship. These are our beliefs on discipleship. This is why you need to be getting into these ministries, because this is where discipleship is taking place. There's also this assumption, well, maybe assumption is not the right word, but there's also this idea that like discipleship seems to only take place within these ministries. There is no push for, and you can just disciple each other outside of small groups, outside of these ministries. There's no push for that as well. I know of at least one group within my church, again, of five campuses, that they're not technically recognized as a small group, but they are a group of people who get together to disciple one another. And there's probably other ones, I would assume, and you know, again, five campuses, I would assume that there's more than just one who's doing something like that. But there is no, like... There, that conversation isn't happening of like, you can do this and not technically have to be a recognized small group either. Okay. It's not linear. Two more questions I had to ask. How effective has this been? And are there plans for updating and changing anything? At first... <laughs> Getting this answer, I was like, okay, yeah, this all, this makes sense. I mean, I don't blame him at all. But as I was writing the paper, reflecting, and then I got to this answer, I was like, oh, no, this actually makes a lot of sense, and this continues to be kind of disheartening a little bit. Because, again, we have a great, we have a great end goal in mind, and we have... We have it built into a lot of the ministries, which is good. But again, there's a lot of assumption and a lot of just trusting that people are going to jump in and accept that they need to be discipled. And because of that, he identified that it is one area we are deficient in because we haven't defined what effectiveness looks like for us. And in some cases, they are hard to define. Maturity is progressive. It looks like love, but it's hard to measure. Attendance helps, obviously, you know, just knowing that people are showing up at these ministries or on Sunday morning is important. As long as they are growing in those four areas, again, that goes back to the core values, that is good. There is a lot of knowledge in the church. It's hard to tell statistically how that is working itself out in love and good works. So if you are assuming that these things are happening, I think it kind of makes sense then that you can't really measure how it's going on. That might be, again, a need for more structure, which is weird because I've been beating the drum that, you know, you don't have to have a lot of structure to do discipleship. We have a lot of freedom as small group leaders. We were, it was highly suggested that we do this study of the Habits of Grace book, but ultimately, like, we're allowed to do whatever we want. I'm going to pitch the two ideas that I have for the spring semester, what we're going to do in our small group. I'm going to pitch that tomorrow night. Um, 
and I, I brought it up during our conversation, and he thought that those both sounded like great ideas. Like, he, you know, it, he didn't deter me from one or the other, or he didn't say, well, have you looked at this? And there's a lot of free resources that they give us to lead a small group, like the curriculum-wise, like a lot of free resources for that, which is good and helpful. Like, I don't have to go out and buy things all the time for myself or and then find out that it was lousy. Like, I don't, you know, there's all that. Like, that's good stuff. But again, if there's no real, like, measurement tool in place because we're just assuming people are getting involved, then it's kind of on... Oh, I didn't think about this when I was writing the paper. It's really on the people doing the discipling to do the measurement. Ooh, oh, man. I'm, like, seriously having a light bulb moment right here. It's almost like, oh, gosh, yeah. It's like you need the small group leaders to check in. Did I just... Did I just solve the problem? <laughs> this is like an on-air revelation that I was not anticipating. Yeah, you really need the small group leaders to just check in and say, hey, here's kind of where everyone was at at the beginning of the year, and this is where everyone's kind of at now, and mark, like, growth. You know, my, my youth pastor guy he and boss, you know, hey, Scott, he listens to these. Uh, he... <laughs> He always does when we have like our monthly or every other month meeting, we do a SWOT analysis, strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. You almost need the small group leaders to do that with their own group at the end of every year so that way you kind of know how everyone's doing. Huh. It's almost like I should work at this church more than just as an intern with one ministry. Interesting. Okay, anyway, back on track now. <laughs> so I guess that's how you measure it. You 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 lean into the small group leaders. Who would have thought? Huh. The other part of that question was, uh, is there any plan of changing anything? To which he responded that continually, things are always being reevaluated and tried to be tweaked. Again, this seems to be done a lot at the ground level of the people doing the discipling, making decision, making the decision to change things. Um, again, me and friend, pastor, boss, Scott, we all, we sat down and we have been tweaking the curriculum for the crews at our youth group. So that way they can be more intentionally discipled and have a little bit more, well, structure actually. Um, we made that decision, not the pastor. We made that decision, and it's we've started implementing it, and it's starting to go pretty well, actually. So are there things being evaluated? Yes. And are there changes occurring? Yes. Like I said, we have this foundations class that is somewhere in the works. But beyond that, he didn't really go into specifics. He did say, though, very clearly, all about him and the core values are not changing whatsoever. The final question on, on the plate was, how do you keep the method in tune with the rhythms of culture? Intentionally. And context is important, is what he emphasized. Ultimately, they always want to keep Jesus and our identity in him and the truths of scripture at the center of whatever cultural conversation is going on, which is good. You know, he didn't go into anything specific like different cultural debates of the time right now. 
But I thought that was a sufficient enough answer to say, yes, the best way to do that is to always keep scripture and the Bible first in all things. Okay, fine. Cool. So that's my reflection on the church. I kind of wove it in as we were going there. Ultimate, again, just to kind of summarize, like, on the one hand, there was a lot of things I was like, oh, hey, this is, this is being done well. There's a strategy. There's, you know, we're checking some of these boxes. And then there's these other areas that's like, huh, maybe we need a little bit more structure. Maybe we need to stop assuming things and just actually tell people you have to do this. I don't know. I don't know. This is the difficult part because I'm just an intern at one campus with one ministry and I can't like make the active steps outside of, as we have just had this on-air revelation a couple minutes ago, of evaluating the group, my own small group, and checking in with the with the pastor in charge of this ministry and say, hey, this is kind of the direction we were in and this is the direction we're at now. Cool. Just mark that one down. It's a win for me. Well, that's it for today's episode. One thing I want to start changing up is that this show is called My Seminary Life. And I think we hit the My Seminary part really well. You know, we have this, the whole show is, this is the stuff I'm studying in seminary right now. And even on social media, you know, we have things like the brand new video series on Facebook and Instagram called Coffee Break, where I talk about where I'm doing, it's a video devotional show. It just started this past Sunday. Hopefully you didn't miss it. Go back on Facebook and Instagram and check that. We have the Monday meditation and the Tuesday tunes to help give you something to read or listen to to shape your thinking because I want to help people know and experience God more in their life. The thing is, though, is that I think a lot of the focus here is on the my seminary part and not so much on the my life part. So starting this week, Brandon, we had a lot of laughs today. What do you got going on the rest of the weekend? Well, thanks for asking, Brandon. Uh, well, as you can see here, I'm wearing my Calumet Christian red sweatshirt because this afternoon I'm headed out to an auction. Because like all private schools, it is our yearly auction this today to, you know, raise money, uh for the school. So I'm going to go be a good alumni, hopefully walk away with something cool. I've gotten a lot of cool things in the past from this auction. I've gotten, uh, I got an ice cream maker last year at a great discount. I also got, I've gotten autographed CDs of Mandisa, Matt Marr. I think there's a Sidewalk Profits CD somewhere around here signed by them. I won at the auction. So yeah, always get a lot of cool stuff. So I'm hoping for a big win today, or at least a lot of stuff from the baked goods. How about you, Brandon? What do you got going on today? Well, tomorrow I'm teaching a class at my church that I just got done grilling. Um, yeah, all this month and into December, I'm teaching a class for the high schoolers. Uh, this is uh, a class to help them go deeper because that's something that we care about here at our church. And we're going to be studying the covenants of scripture. Last week, we started it off looking at the Noahic covenant. This uh, Tomorrow, we're going to talk about the Abrahamic covenant. And what we do is we analyze the covenant, and then we look forward to the new covenant that we're in in Jesus and how they relate together. It, we had a lot of fun last week. I'm hoping that goes well again this week. Awesome. Well, hope that goes well for you. And again, I hope I win something big this afternoon.
Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, then please take a moment to rate and review the show on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. Or head on over to the My Seminary Life Facebook page where you can write a recommendation on there as well. You can also follow us on Instagram at My Seminary Life Pod for other fun updates throughout the week. And more than the recommendation, I would really appreciate it if you told someone you knew about the show. Word of mouth is the best way to advertise for this show. And finally, you can follow me, Brandon Knight, on Instagram and TikTok at just.brandon.k for other fun, faith-based content. So that's it for today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Brandon Knight. Keep on studying.